CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. Welcome to W5. What is going on inside the Canadian military? 11 top commanders are now embroiled in sexual misconduct scandals. Omar Sachedina investigates the growing number of soldiers who are speaking out about what has become their most personal of all battles. Nearly 100,000 men and women belong to Canada's regular and reserve forces. Drawn by the dream of defending the values that define this country, even if it means going to war. I really identified as a soldier. It's been a year since Colton Skibinski left the Canadian Armed Forces, yet he is still haunted by his experience serving. I thought I'd be in the Army for my whole career. Like, I'd spent 25, 30 years in, in there, and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. At the age of 20, Colton eagerly joined the Army. But after only a few months, his entire world was turned upside down by fellow soldiers. What do you remember about that day? I was alone in the bathroom, in the shower. Um, they have stalls but um, uh, he opens the curtain and he's aroused and there's another one of my course mates behind him trying to get aroused and I thought this is a really bad joke. I still didn't think that that's what he was going to do and then we started fighting and the amount of force he was using was uh, you're fighting for your life, right? Um, what was he doing? Trying to turn me around, trying to hit me. Um, I was trying to kick him away. Like it's it's really a blur now, but it was just uh, yeah, very fast, very aggressive. So um, so at this point, two men mm -hmm. have basically forced their way into to the shower stall. I'm cornered into this stall. There's no way out except past these two men. One is beating you, yeah. trying to turn you around. Yeah. And the other man is doing what at this point? Masturbating. Yeah. And what are you thinking? Well, at that point, I just kind of went into shock, if I'm being honest with you. So my body, I just froze. <laughs> you just blacked out. I couldn't believe that was happening to me. Colton says he was sexually assaulted by men he thought were his brothers in arms. He is not alone. In the past six years, there have been two exhaustive reports examining misconduct in the military, each with nearly identical conclusions. The most recent one, released in June 2021 by former Supreme Court Justice Morris Fish, determined sexual misconduct in the Canadian Armed Forces remains persistent preoccupying and widespread. Since 2015, there have been over 3,000 calls for assistance to the military's Confidential Sexual Misconduct Response Centre, an institutional crisis. In the military, sexual misconduct gets handled internally. Every soldier must follow the chain of command. 
If you are a victim, you have no choice but to report directly to your commanding officer, even if they are the ones committing the crime. Then the case can get turned over to the military police. Uh, when I reported it, they laughed at me. Who laughed at you? My boss and uh, the police. Why do you think they laughed at you? They said it sounded like soldiers joking around in the showers. I just went to them because I was in trouble and I wasn't safe. And uh, they told me to go back to work. And so that must have been the ultimate betrayal. You know, I, I think in society, you're, when you hear somebody's been raped, you go to the hospital, you get a rape kit, you know, the police are out looking for this person. And um, even though I knew who it was, nobody cared. So all of the supports you thought you should have didn't exist in your experience? No. No, and, and that was the real shock of it. And nobody's going to do anything about it. it terrified me. With nowhere to go, victims like Colton join grassroots support groups outside of the military. One of the themes that's been coming up in a lot of discussions is around how it's not the initial trauma necessarily that does all the damage, but it's all the aftermath and not being heard. This group has been helping hundreds of victims face the trauma of sexual misconduct in the military since 2015. Abuse. Verbal abuse and physical abuse. I am, I'm damaged. You guys have been trained for battle. Did you ever think that you'd be fighting the biggest one on home soil? No. <laughs> It's all left to the individuals going through the worst part of their life to come up with the solutions. As soon as an issue comes up, we kind of get pushed aside as a stain on the military. When I went through it 20 odd years ago, the same refrain of, you know, think of your regiment's reputation, put your regiment ahead of you, like maybe you should just keep your mouth shut. As you talked about protecting the regiment, all of the boxes, everybody shook their head in, in unison. It, it seems like it's it's happening everywhere across Canada. That, that regimental sort of mentality, protect your own, that's sort of bred into us from, from day one. How many of you feel abandoned and forgotten? Pretty much everyone. Why did they pick him over me? Why did they rally around him? Why did they protect him? This isn't something that happened 10, 15 years ago. It's happening now and it's still happening. In Colton's case, this internal document shows he reported the assault to the military, but he claims they did nothing. The police aren't gonna help you. Your boss isn't gonna help you. So this investigation was a sham. It didn't even take place. Colton had to see his attackers day in and day out. I would never shower alone anymore. I wouldn't go to the bathroom alone. I'd wait for someone to go. You're always scared. Always scared. Always on guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What incentive is there in the first place for anybody to come forward? Zero. I can tell you zero. Major Kashmir McKenna has an insider view as a former lawyer in the military legal system. He was a member of the elite Judge Advocate General Corps, also known as a JAG. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work because essentially what, what you're asking these individual members to do is to trust the very people that potentially could harm them. 
nowhere in the civilian world would it be okay if your boss sexually assaults you and then the legal system say, well, talk to your boss and resolve it. It wouldn't happen. But it is happening in the military. But it's, of course it's happening in the military. It's not happened. It is happening in the military. The Canadian Forces is not built to internally correct itself, especially when it comes to such incidents that I would say are quasi-criminal in behavior. In other words, the current military justice system is flawed. The higher your rank, the more protection you have. If you want to commit the perfect breach of conduct in the Canadian Forces, become a general. You can't do anything about it. You're untouchable. You're untouchable. That's exactly what it is. And the higher your rank, the more protected you are. The higher your rank, the more protected you are. And Kashmir says protecting the military institution is the priority. During your 12 years as JAG, were you ever ordered or did you see anything that was swept under the rug? Because of the privileged position as a counsel, um, I wouldn't be able to, to respond to it. But I can tell you that it is an issue. It's a serious issue. Colton, it's so rare for, for men to come out and talk about their experiences. Why, why do you think that is? There's a lot of shame associated with it, right? As a man, you're not supposed to... This doesn't happen to men, right? No, no man wants to admit that somebody else got the better of them that way, and um, you're less of a man for it. And, and particularly in the Army, how are you supposed to defend your country if you can't even defend yourself? Coming up... I've been tormented on many fronts. A uniform offers little protection. It's a joke. There's a very high level of hypocrisy. When W5 continues. The Canadian military is now fighting one of its biggest battles on home soil, claiming it's trying to purge a toxic culture Report after report has exposed a military with a dark and secretive culture of widespread sexual misconduct. In 2015, then Chief of the Defence Staff General Jonathan Vance issued the order to initiate Operation Honour, its mission to prevent and address sexual misconduct within its ranks. I will not tolerate any behaviour that attacks the dignity or safety of any person serving in or with the Canadian Armed Forces. Three years later, Vance himself became the subject of sexual misconduct allegations. It's a joke. There's a very high level of hypocrisy with what they're saying compared to what I've experienced and am still experiencing to date. It hasn't stopped. Rachel Bass Meldrum is fighting for her life right now, fighting while still serving her country the relentless pursuit against me as somebody who has been seriously harmed by the system, by the system processes, by the people that I've been required to report to, some of whom have been named abusers and acknowledged by the system processes as having sexually harassed me. I've been tormented on many fronts. At the age of 17, 
Rachel enlisted in the forces with a dream of becoming a paratrooper, a risky job in the military. I had these idealistic dreams of jumping out of airplanes. I've always been a physically active person. So at 17, you thought the military would be exciting. You thought that you could serve. You thought that you were going to make great friends. And instead, it turned out to be what? Quite the opposite. There was excessive drinking and pornography. So I've had everything from being groped, being touched inappropriately, having men walk into the change room while I've been showering. Rachel served across the country and was deployed to Afghanistan. But through it all, she said she experienced a constant barrage of sexual harassment in her male-dominated units. Her first assault still haunts her the most. Take me back if you feel comfortable to that first incident. I don't even know if I've fully processed it, uh, truthfully. The rape happened in broad daylight. I was in my room, minding my own business. He came in, forced himself upon me. It was a fellow soldier who sexually assaulted her. When you talk about having to revisit some of that pain, what is the most painful part of what you have had to confront? A lot of these things that have happened to me and very seriously negatively affected my life have had to take a back burner for me to be able to survive the other workplace harassments that I've been subjected to since coming forward and reporting the tip of the iceberg of what I've suffered. It took 10 years for Rachel to report the sexual assault. She was afraid of retribution from her abuser, retribution from the regiment, and what she knew would destroy her career. There was an investigation, but Rachel claims no justice. I felt betrayed, violated. I was angry. Did he do any time? No, no time. There wasn't any palatable results for me personally from the investigation. I asked the lead investigator, um, whether or not she questioned my rapist. And her response to me was that this individual's lawyer advised him to say nothing. Rachel went on to report some of the other cases of sexual harassment. So has any one of those complaints resulted in any material change? Not for me personally. None of them have resolved anything. I have one formal grievance that was filed in 2014, and I still have not had a final decision rendered on that grievance that was filed. That's a seven-year investigation for one complaint. At Memorial University of Newfoundland, Leah Bao, a counseling psychologist and PhD student, is publishing groundbreaking research to understand why this behavior is so prevalent towards women. One thing that I was struck by is women shared that their most traumatic event was uh, military sexual assault while serving. So not war-related, but sexual assault. What's the impact of that culture of cohesion and that hyper-masculinity? It's embedded throughout the entire structure. And then when you look at military culture, 
it is amplified even more. So that hypermasculinity, um, that stoicism that is taught, and it's great for combat, but the downside of that is just the quick turn into dehumanizing. And dehumanizing women and abusing women is one of the outcomes. There's also a growing number of male victims, like Colton Skabinski. He is also co-chair of the national support group that has seen the number of men coming forward increase dramatically. Were you surprised at how many men were part of this group that you belong to? Originally, yes. I didn't think that there was this many men. And some of them have stories that are much worse than mine. Um, in terms of the sexual assault and what happened. And what I'm finding with a lot of these men is they want to connect to another man who's been through what they've been through. You know, let's say 100 other men in our group, and we all have more or less the same stories. 100 men in a support group of about 700. But the number of affected men could be much higher because they are too ashamed or scared to come forward. Retired Major Kashmir McKenna is a lawyer who now represents many military members, including Rachel, who feel the internal armed forces justice system has failed them. Most members of the Canadian forces assume that a legal officer with the JAG automatically represents them. Uh, the truth of the matter is that no. The legal officer is there to represent the organization and to advise the chain of command. So you're scared to report it in the first place. And then when you do, there is a fear that if you push things along too quickly, then that could ultimately sabotage your career. The moment you bring a grievance like that, and the people who are supposed to be the one who are going to mold and shape and advance your career are all implicated, where does that leave you? leaves you where Rachel is. Rachel has been a master corporal for 23 years. For 23 years. And for nearly half that time, she's been fighting the Canadian Armed Forces, watching everyone around her get promoted, except her. So being raped and sexually assaulted and sexually violated repeatedly by members, some of the same rank, many superior to me, was bad enough. Reporting a few of these incidences has significantly wor worsened the pain that I've felt from those types of sexual assaults and violations. I cannot describe or capture in a snapshot of time the horrific, far-reaching torment that I've been subjected to for coming forward. It is up to the Canadian government to impose or order the military to change the way sexual misconduct is handled. Even with a major class action lawsuit against the Department of National Defense with over 13,000 claims, the Deschamps report in 2015, the Fish report in 2021, even a third review by retired Supreme Court Justice Louise Arboul that began in April 2021, the government until now has yet to clean up the military. We do need to build trust in the Canadian Armed Forces. There is a crisis of confidence. Newly appointed Minister of National Defence Anita Anand has a monumental task. She agreed to an exclusive in-person interview with W5 and announced a major shift in how cases of sexual assault in the military will be handled. 
I think it's, it's fair to ask you, victims to whom we've been speaking to have described a culture that is toxic, a culture of cover-up. What do you tell victims who have lost faith, who've lost trust, who feel betrayed? I actually have been meeting with victims myself over the past week and a half since I have been implemented in this role. And uh, I recognize that the problems are severe. They are uh, pervasive in the armed forces. I'm fully aware of the deep-seated issues in that institution. My role and the reason I believe the Prime Minister appointed me in this position was to chart the path forward, acting on the recommendations of Madame Deschamps, Mr. Fish, as well as Madame Arbour, that we are going to make sure that victims of sexual misconduct have the ability to have their cases tried in the civilian system. I'm trying to get a sense of when that will happen. You say it will be immediate, but victims out there are wondering when. Are we talking weeks? Are we take, talking months? Are we talking years? What we are doing is taking Madam Justice Arbour's recommendations and having just received the letter, beginning to ensure that they are implemented right away. I am loath to say before the end of the year because I'm not the type to overpromise and underdeliver. And so when we have a timeline on the precise dates of implementation, I will come back and I will set those out in full. With no timeline to move any of her cases to a civilian court, Rachel's message is clear. I'd like people to know the truth and actually understand what it costs for members to come forward. And nobody should have to serve in the capacity that I have in fear. Fear of being raped, fear of being assaulted, fear of being targeted, fear of being punished for coming forward. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes.